Okay, well, we're back at it. I'm Carson at MBCM. That's Mennonite Brethren Church in Manitoba. And I'm here today with the regulars. David from MB Mission. Say hello, David. Hey, everyone. And when I said regulars, I didn't really mean the regulars because we've got a whole new uh, person on the team here. We had so much fun interviewing Sarah Fraze last time around. She's so cool that we just asked her to join the team. And Sarah is here for the first time around. Probably, definitely not the last. Say hello, Sarah. Hello. And uh, we can't do this without acknowledging that uh, our good friend Colin isn't here with us. He's hard at work. He took a, a, a new job as a graphic designer, and uh, so he's not able to join us on the podcast. Maybe we'll be able to convince him to come back. Colin, if you're out there, come back and join us once in a while. Maybe we can interview him about his new work sometime. That would be a great, great way to bring the guy back. I miss him so much. We should have a moment of silence. Let's do that. <coughs> okay, that's it for that, I guess. Uh, well, anyhow, what do we got on the show today? Um, David, you were interviewing Stefan Claus and Robin Fraze from Trek Central Canada, correct? Yeah, that's right. And Trek Central Canada, correct me if I'm wrong, a short-term mission program from MB, of MB Mission. And it's for those discerning long-term ministry. Does that capture it? Yep. I was just thinking... Um, they get to go, or Trek participants get to go all over the world, cool places, uh, not all of them, but most of them, and probably much warmer climates. But, you know, a lot of times that would make me pretty jealous. But today, not so much. I mean, I'm driving into work today, and the sun is shining. It's uh, late January. Mm-hmm. We just got a couple mm-hmm. days left here. And it's on the dashboard tells me it's uh, minus two. The, minus uh, two. Minus two. Two below. That's what I like to hear. That's Celsius for our American friends. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit. Who knows? Can't do that math. Can't do any math. Um, it's balmy. It's, it's balmy. And <laughs> I'm thinking, want, like, how amazing is that? I wonder how many other people celebrate a negative temperature. Yeah, only, <laughs> only in Winnipeg, probably. Yeah. So, you know, normally, uh, Winnipeg would be seen, uh, we'd be seen, you know, minus 25 to minus 40 anywhere in there this time of year with no wind in sight. We've been given this amazing reprieve. And uh, uh, I, I think that maybe our reputation is sort of the... Um, the true white north and and the, the deep freeze of Canada or North America is not not appropriate today, not at all. Mm-hmm. And so it got me thinking about uh, you know why Winnipeg gets a bad rap, and I think it's a fantastic place. Um, I'm new to Winnipeg. Well, not new, twenty some odd years. That's not new, right? But I'm that's an older than, than I am. Yeah, yeah but I'm exactly also relatively new. Well, I am. The <laughs> I'm new to the world. <laughs> yeah. Okay, there you go. So. so but uh, just just thinking about um, a lot of people would tell me when I when I told them I'm moving to Winnipeg. Oh, great, wonderful! You're going to love it there. It's the deep freeze and there's nothing to do. And I'm like, really? But that's totally not the case. I love it. I think it's a fantastic place to call home. You guys are born and raised Winnipeggers, right? I am. Mm-hmm. That's so right. What do you love about your hometown? Why are you still here? There's a lot. Honestly, the music scene is for sure one thing. I actually got this app on my phone recently that tells me where around the city live music is happening. Oh, and every really? any given night, a weeknight or a weekend yeah. or whatever, there's at least a dozen, dozen different places. That's awesome. I know. And you can just go and check out all sorts of local should, music. What is this app? Yeah. It's called MB Live. Not to be confused with Mennonite Brethren Live. This is Manitoba Live. Oh, MB Live. Bless somebody's heart. I know. It's, that. That's it's really awesome. Great. Yeah. Not to mention, we have a very fledgling biking community. Yes. I'll acknowledge that. We've talked about that before right. on the podcast, but there's there's some development, there's some movement happening there. 
weather isn't even that bad. Honestly, I've started winter running. You can make the yeah. best of the winter, no problem. Right, and I think that's the issue. A lot of people try to uh, put the the fear of the cold in your heart if you're if you're, mm-hmm. if you're immigrating into Winnipeg. And it's never as bad as somebody would let you believe. And there are some bad days. Yeah, I get it. There's some tough times out there in the cold when you're catching a bus. But it's never as bad as as someone might lead you to believe. You just got to toughen up, I think. What do you think? I feel like you need to be truthful with these listeners, though, Carson. It's pretty pretty rough. (laughs) That's why we have Sarah on the show. Keep us straight here. (laughs) I had a friend move... um, to Australia for a few years and find a nice Australian girl and married her. They both came back to Winnipeg, planned to be here for five years or so, and then moved back. One winter, they made it. I felt so bad for that girl oh, coming from right. She'd never coming from it, right? a hot culture to a consistently frigid culture for like our long winter. Is I actually. Did not blame her at all. I think it would be a real hard transition. However, I love Winnipeg. Okay, so let's just play devil's advocate. All right, let's say that we, we were going to live in Winnipeg and you could choose one other Canadian city. Okay, one other Canadian city. Where would you live, David? <sighs> okay, that's tough. So work gets me out to Saskatoon quite a bit, and that's actually a really pretty city. I like the size. I like the culture. Lots of good restaurants, cafes to check out. But I think I would probably choose Vancouver. And I know that's a very different vibe. It's very busy. Millions of people in the greater area, right? But there's something about the ocean and the mountains and the big glass and steel buildings all together. It just feels like like the best combination of fresh nature outdoors and chic urban living. Oh, I right. just love that city. Okay, so let's stick to Canadian cities. Mm-hmm. Where would you go? Mm-hmm. Man, at the risk of being a copycat, I also love Vancouver. I have a brother that lives out there and a lot of friends and a lot of friends in the creative community out there who are just like artists and bloggers. And it's just, I love being out there. But I also love the East Coast. Mm. I don't know if I, I don't know if I could like live there. Are you from the East Coast? Yeah, you bet. Where are you (laughs) from? Um, Well, I was born in a very tiny town called Botwood, Newfoundland, and that's in central Newfoundland. Yeah. Okay. I've, I've been just once in my childhood, but I have a lot of very magical memories from the East Coast. So I don't know if I could jump straight to living there, but Mm. I really want to visit again. So... Right off of that thought, I would, my answer before you even mentioned any of that is without question, St. John's, Newfoundland. Really? That's where I'd go. Yeah. I mean, it's not big city. It does, it may not have everything that we have, well, or that Vancouver may have and Toronto may have. But uh, yeah, I'd love an opportunity to go back to the island and to be able to do something productive, make a living, and maybe, you know, if the family could be supported in that way, then we would do it, I'm sure. But, mm. uh, you know, I don't know if that'll ever happen. Beautiful place. If you ever visit Newfoundland, you'll you'll want to stay. You know, it's fantastic. Beautiful. But, hey, that's enough of that. All right. I'm now uh, nostalgic for home. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we get right down to the interview? David, take it away. All right. I am joined here with Robin Fraze and Stefan Clausen. Thank you for coming, guys. You're welcome. No problem. So both of you are right now on the Trek program, right? So why don't you just each take a turn telling us a bit of what that means. What is Trek? Uh, Yeah, it's an eight-month ministry discipleship program. So if you're interested or thinking about long-term ministry placement, either pastoral or missional, it's an opportunity for you to try it out a bit longer term than most short-term projects usually are. 
and for the, some people, myself very much included, it's a way to bridge the gap between education and experience. Because mm. for at least for my case, I have a fair amount of education and volunteer experience in ministry related stuff, but no real paid or actual like professional experience. Totally. So, and there's like two months at the beginning that are a training section. And then you have your six months where you're actually in your assignment, wherever you are, anywhere in the world. Right on. So what kind of people are you doing Trek with? Like you guys are young adults. Is that the majority? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They're all like, I'd say 20 to 30 in there would be the general age. All right. So what is it about the Trek program that got you guys interested in getting involved? Well, for me, I felt a call to ministry several years ago. I went to Bible school and got a degree in theology, volunteered for something like four or five years in in the ministry field, youth ministry specifically, having a strong desire to go and to be a youth pastor. I'm feeling very much called for that. And when I would apply to churches, and I was often told for a variety of reasons that I didn't have enough experience or they didn't want to take a risk on someone who hadn't been untested. Mm. Um, during a chance meeting, I found out about this Trek program and that it is essentially just that that bridge, the ability to or the opportunity to the opportunity to get some of the much needed experience while still having a bit of a, a bit of a safety net, a bit of an educational extra process going on. So I've been my position has been affectionately called a ministry apprentice. Hmm. So I report to a lead pastor of a church, but he's also given me a lot of freedom to run a youth ministry program at a small church that wouldn't otherwise be able to be able to do that. So your ministry assignment is with the church. Which one is that? It's a Crossroads MB. Okay, and that's here in Winnipeg, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. Cool. What about you, Robin? What got you attracted to Trek? Yeah, um, I found myself... Last year, probably around this time, looking for what I wanted to do next year. I was just in business school and I knew that I didn't want to do business. Um, like I enjoyed it, but it wasn't what I was feeling called to do. And so I knew I wanted to do something with worship and I wasn't really sure what the next steps were. And so I looked at a bunch of different schools and I was looking at different programs and internships and there's like so many things out there. Um and I, but I knew that like once I actually found what I wanted to do next year, I'd be like, yes, that's it. And so then when Trek came along, at first I was like, eh, that's not really what I want to do. Kind of like, nope. And then went to the next, kept looking. And then, um, yeah, it came into my mind again and I was praying about it. And I was like, yes, this is totally it. This is what I want to do. Like, this is exactly it. I have like a mentor that walks with me and... Um, I, I get like I'm on the job experience. It's not just like learning from books and um, all of the ministry experience I've had in the past. I get to actually apply into what I'm doing right now. So. Mm. And what is your assignment? What's your day to day like? Yeah, I'm um, doing an apprenticeship at the meeting place um, in Winnipeg here and I do worship stuff. So day to day I... <laughs> I print songs out, I go for coffee with people, I practice, I pray, I like a whole, a whole bunch of different things. I, I sit in, in a lot of meetings. Those are always fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the fun administrative side of any yeah, ministry no job. Doubt. Hey? 
Yeah, that was a learning curve for me too, just realizing how much behind the scenes emailing and paperwork comes into the ministry that we see. Yeah, you think that it's going to be just this, yeah, I'm doing my ministry, I'm praying with people, I'm doing worship, but there's always that behind the scenes, the emailing and the meetings. Yeah, totally. So you guys both have local assignments, but there are also other trekkers who are in other places around the world, right? Can you just say a little bit more about their assignments? Uh, we have uh, six friends who joined the, the orientation with us who are in three different areas of the world right now doing different uh, mission apprenticeships, one in Japan, one in South America, and one in Central Asia, or a group in Central Asia. Right on. And are they also doing like uh, church assignments then, or like what's the, kind of the range of what they're up to? I think it's all different. Like the one in Japan is teaching English and traveling and seeing different churches and doing street evangelism stuff. The ones in Panama are working with the Wow Nun people in Panama. So they're building relationship and just encouraging the church there. Um, and then the ones in Central Asia are just living life, honestly. Like they're working with a company there and interning with them, but they're just living life and making a relationship and um, meeting people. Yeah, so we have Trek people all over the world, and yet you two have decided to stay in Winnipeg, of all places. <laughs> so what is it about <laughs> local ministry? Why did you choose local instead of an international assignment? Yeah, Winnipeg. Whenever I tell people this is where my assignment is, they're like, wow, how'd you get to be so lucky? <laughs> um, yeah, I chose Winnipeg or Canada, I guess, because that's what's on my heart. I mm. love Canada, and I long to see Canada walking in the true identity of what God has for the church here. Um, and so any opportunity I, I get to call out things in the church or I get to encourage this Church of Canada, I will take it because I, I love this country. I love this nation. Mm. I wholeheartedly agree. And I just, yeah, just like what Robin said, I have just a, a huge heart for people here. I think it's awesome for people who want to go out and serve in other countries, but I think we need just as many people serving here. Mm. Yeah, a phrase we've been throwing around at MB Mission quite a bit lately is from everywhere to everywhere. And it sounds like what you're saying, too. Uh, there's a need to go even to where we started here in Canada, but also go overseas, too. Yeah, it was the first church in Acts. I mean, they they said one disciple out to the Gentiles, and then one disciple went back to the Jews. And that's, that's how it is. got to have people everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. That's actually a good example. So is Canada the Jews or the Gentiles? <laughs> Depends on who you ask. It's <laughs> a good question. Yeah. Um, so, Stefan, earlier you mentioned that you had some experience and some training in ministry and theology, but it was hard to actually get some uh, organization or a church to take you on. So um, could you just tell us a little bit more of your journey growing into ministry? What kind of challenges have you faced becoming a leader or uh, working in ministry so far? I mean, I think some of the challenges are pretty straightforward. You have for for any position, whether it's ministry or just another job, it's how do you get your foot in the door? How do you, how do you start? Everyone wants someone who has five, 10 years of experience, who's got a track record of success and not a lot of people are willing to gamble on someone who's maybe a little bit less, a little bit untested. And so that's, that's a very real struggle and difficulty for trying to get, step into a a ministry position. But there were other odd ones too. I had a, one church tell me that I was single and they didn't appreciate, they didn't want that in the leader of their church. Hmm. Or other ones just about 
age being too young at 27 now. I'm not sure what age I was then, but it's just some, some very obvious things, some very not as obvious. Yeah. Yeah. So on the flip side of that, um, what kind of things have helped you get into the ministry position that you're in now? Like I'm thinking, have there been mentors or other programs? Yeah, there's definitely been some really, some really key mentors, something like the Trek program. It's, it's a fundraising program so that the the money I used to live is something I've fundraised from friends and family who love and can support me. And it's something I never would have imagined myself doing even a couple of years ago. And it's through some, some really key mentors that they've helped me to see and helped me to, helped me to be able to do something like this and just to see, see fundraising as less of a, less of a chore or begging people for money and more of a, of a ministry in and of itself where you're, you're coming at it from a humble attitude of wanting to serve, wanting to give and allowing people who actually love and support you to show that they love and support you in a very tangible way. And I think one of the coolest, most amazing ways that I've seen that is one of the youth parents when I used to volunteer with contributed a decent chunk to to my ministry budget and it was just an amazing way for them to say we've seen the difference you've made in our students life mm, very affirming yeah robin what about you how what's it been like becoming uh, a young leader in the church has there been challenges yeah there's definitely challenges um yeah it, like sometimes it feels like everything's against you but sometimes you get those mentors and you get those people who support you and it's um amazing to see the support um some of the challenges would be i'm trying to think okay so the verse that don't let anyone look down on you because you're young um has definitely yeah first timothy 4 12 we'll go yeah that sounds right first timothy 4 12 don't let don't let anyone look down on you because you're young but set an example um and that has been a huge thing like knowing that not not to let anyone look down on me because i'm younger but actually be like oh i'm not going to wait until tomorrow to start what i want to do but i want to i want to do ministry and i'm not going to wait till i'm older or till i'm more experienced i'm just going to start i'm just going to walk it out and see what happens um and there's been people who have told me oh you're too young or oh you're like you're not experienced or you don't know what you're doing um but i've had so many people who are so for me and are so for the younger generation and are are wanting to raise them up and are building into them. And that's what's kept me going is having people speak into my life and say, like, I see something in you and this is who you are and this is who God has called you to be. And you can walk in that. And once you once you hear that, once you hear who God has called you to be, how can you not? Like, it's so exciting to be like, wow, God actually sees me and He he's called me into something and I want to walk into that. That's really good to hear. What what that's making me think of too now is you've both mentioned you need experience to become the leaders that you are. You need a community that's calling you out and giving you opportunity yeah. in that. So in your opinion, are leaders born or are they created? What do you think? Ooh, good question. Both. I think everyone is born with an ability or a level of leadership. One of the things they talk about in the Trek training was that there's different ways to lead. Not everyone has to be an upfront like preaching from the pulpit leader. There are people who can lead from the middle and there are people who can lead from the back and in the groups that maybe aren't as, aren't as gung ho about what's going on in the front. 
and they're all they're all needed. They're all you need to grow and cultivate them. Mm. So what does that mean, leading from the back? What does that look like? Yeah, I think leading from the back, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong. At least to me, it's more about leading from exp- leading with your life, leading with by example, yeah. by showing and being for something in your everyday ordinary life and not necessarily having to having to rally a bunch of people around you, but to say, you know what? I like that. I'm going to do that. I'm going to go with that. I'm going to follow. I'm going to f- this and have people around you who see that and see your example. Mm. That, that's leadership. Yeah. Robin, what about you? Leaders made, created? Born. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, like I, I, I agree with Stefan. I think it's a combination of both. Like they're, I don't know. I think anyone can be a leader in whatever they're doing. Um, But until you actually choose to walk into that, then you're not going to be a leader. You have to actually make a choice. Like I want, I'm going to lead wherever I'm from. So if you're in the back and that's where God's put you, then to choose to lead from there. Or if you're in the front and you're with a microphone to choose to lead from there, no matter where you're at, there, there has to be a conscious choice, I think. Um, and like some people, you get the term like a natural born leader and it's like in, in their personality or they have tons of charisma and people just are drawn to follow them. But they're still not like they're not going to go anywhere if they don't actually lead the people somewhere. So mm. until you have a vision and you're going towards that, you're not actually leading the people anywhere. You might have people who just tend to want to follow you, but you can't take them anywhere unless you choose to go. That makes sense. And it sounds like you both have had some opportunity to choose other things in leadership. You mentioned business. You mentioned, you know, having a lot of, uh, like talking to a lot of churches before you ended up in the position you're in now. This actually reminds me, um, Lord of the Rings, a strider, (laughs) you know, born leader, but it took a community and a lot of life experience until he became the, what is it, the king that he ends up being? (laughs) I'm not that big of a... Yeah, see, but that, in that case... It's because he denied his leadership originally. He could have had it from the start. He chose to walk away for that life experience. Hmm. There are others there who want to go from leadership from the get-go. Yeah, that's true. And then others yet who want to be leaders even when they're not ready, right? Yeah. That is also yeah. true. And that's that's a fine line to walk is when are you ready and when are you, when are you not? Yeah, absolutely. So Trek is called a short-term mission program, right? And uh, I myself work for MB Mission, and so a big part of my life energies right now are going toward putting on short-term mission programs. But I've heard, and I'm sure you guys have heard too, um, that while there are benefits to these kind of programs, there's also some who are critical toward them. What's the point of doing things in short term? Or uh, even comments like, this is more important for the participants than the communities that they serve. So mm-hmm. what do you guys, have you heard similar criticisms like that? And what do you think are the benefits of short term? Yeah, I've definitely heard, I've even sometimes thought those criticisms. Mm. Like, I, yeah, those are very common today. Um, so two years ago, I went with MB Mission to Southeast Asia and I taught English there and it was a short-term time. It was just a summer. It was like a month and going into it, 
I like those thoughts are in your mind. Like, am I even making a difference? Is this just for me? Like, am I just going to get a good experience out of this? But I left and those thoughts that I used to think were like totally gone after because yes, I got tons out of it. And yes, the people got tons out of it, but it's an exchange. You're not going there and just unpacking your bags and leaving. Like you're going with bags and then you're leaving with stuff and they're getting stuff. And it's an exchange of information and a life experience and culture and Jesus. You're sharing what you know about Jesus and they're sharing with you what they know about Jesus. And there's a, I think there's a huge need for it. The, the people we went to visit in Southeast Asia were so encouraged that we came. They, like, they still will message us and talk to us about it. Like, they were extremely encouraged and, um, put more on fire for God. And so was I, like I was, yeah, I was very encouraged by them and how they live their lives. Mm. But one of the really cool things I like about the way Emmy mission runs things is that the short term people are partnered with long-term people. Hmm. They're not sent out there by themselves to do something for a couple weeks or a month and then go. In, in those cases, there is really not a lot you can accomplish. It is more about the goer. But when, when you're partnered with a long-term person, when you're able to, help them out and however they're, whatever they're doing, able to see the impact that their ministry is and then by how much your, your contribution does for them. I think it's an amazing experience. All right. So I'm thinking of my parents' generation or maybe even further back. And when you think about ministry, there's a few different positions you'd think of. The missionaries, the pastors, children's ministry leaders, like Sunday school teachers. But nowadays we're seeing all sorts of different ministry positions come up. We recently interviewed a member of Geekdom House who has this geek and video game ministry. That's so Um, cool. I want to be part of that just so you know. (laughs) We can hook you up afterward. That's perfect. Yeah. So... um, I'm just curious, how do you guys see ministry changing? And like, if you could see yourself in any ministry position at all, what would that look like? Would it be a traditional church role? Would it be something else? Yeah, this is something that I, I think about lots because I'm in a church right now doing my apprenticeship, but that's that's not where I want to stay. Like, I I don't see I don't see myself working in a church, which is really strange because worship isn't really a job unless it's a worship pastor job. And and so I don't know what that looks like, but ministry is changing, right? It's what I've I've seen that. It's changing again and again. I have a, a deep passion for the church as the body of Christ. I think I think there's a lot of times church has gone wrong and I know in my own story my own story has stories of that. And I I very much see myself in a in a pastoral position. I don't, I'm very, I'm open for what God has for me. It doesn't have to be that. But I think that even in parachurch ministries, I think there needs to be a, some con- connection or relationship to a church, to a body where there is a group that you can be, you can be connected to a community you can engage with and you can serve with. Mm. You can be a part of to help further and build up the kingdom. When you guys aren't on your Trek assignments or you're not at the, doing worship or uh or leading the youth what do you what do you do in your spare time what's the restful for you yeah i feel like i go for a lot of coffee (laughs) that is like i feel like i've seen every coffee shop in the city now but i also i i love writing music that's like very stress relieving for me to just sit down with a guitar and just write a song i i could do that for hours and hours and get lost in doing that um just creating in any way. I love to create. I'm all about the games. 
board games are fantastic. But right now, especially when I'm just on my own chilling out, all about Dota 2. Dota. What is Dota? Dota is a uh, video game, uh, a multiplayer online base assault game, or MOBA for short. Interesting side story is that I had a short-term roommate living with me. Um, He was from Ukraine, and he moved to Canada, and he paid rent and went to study, and he funded that whole thing by being an online commentator for Dota 2. Robin, what would your gamer tag be if you had to choose right now? Uh... Cool girl, number one. (laughs) (laughs) That's That's been taken. And and why would you? uh, Just kidding. Just kidding. It really means a lot to me. (laughs) Well, Robin, Stefan, thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. It was fun. nice to have Robin and Stefan with us today. They're good friends of mine and I did their Trek training with them back in the fall. So it's always great to hear and be able to learn from your own people and your own friends. What did this uh, conversation leave you guys thinking about? Yeah, speaking of learning from friends. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I'm still hung up on the leadership question. Uh, I've been reading a lot about leadership lately. So uh, leaders, born or made, David, your turn to answer that question. Yeah, so I'm thinking back to a mentor I have. He worked in education for a few decades, quite a while anyway, and he would always group students for group work and assign one of them to be the leader of that little group. But what he noticed, what was funny, is that even if you call somebody a leader, it could very well be another student in that little group who ends up taking charge of it. So in his opinion, you know, people are actually born with something that just compels them to to take control, to take over. Now, I think that you can train people to do that well, train them to do it badly. But I think some of it you're born with. Yeah, I agree 100%. I think that I think that you're, you're likely to be born with a certain aptitude to lead, uh, personality and attitude uh, combined, and then even sometimes a level of charisma that uh, mm-hmm. draws people to you. Yep. I, I recognize all of those things in great leaders. But um, I do think you're right that certain skills, uh, certain management styles, and, and everything else in between uh, can be can be taught. It's mm. a matter of just putting those combinations together. Speaking of born leaders, as as, uh, as I was reading through uh, the Leadership Challenge book recently, I, I saw a pretty cool uh, example of when, how leaders sometimes uh, don't wait for permission or instruction, but rather they, they do something that, that goes against policy and procedure. And I understand that kind of thing might get you into trouble, but in, in the case of Starbucks, you guys are familiar with the Frappuccino, right? Indeed. Of course. One uh, time or three. Java chip, yum. So the Frappuccino makes about, I don't know, hundreds of millions of dollars for Starbucks. I'm sure. And it wouldn't have existed at all until a barista went out and purchased her own blender. Because at the time, Starbucks wasn't buying blenders. They weren't investing in it. And they didn't see any any reason to. She she came up with this recipe, loved it, wanted to share it and sell it to people at her store. And it was obviously a huge hit. And now the chain has adopted it. And I'm sure they own a few blenders. So <laughs> in that case, it, it changed the uh, structure, not the structure of the organization, but the the, the policies and procedures in a, in a hugely uh, popular way. So, yeah, I guess leaders take risks and they um, they kind of have this uh, innate ability to uh, you know work off of their own instincts and, mm. and take chances. So, yeah, mm. I mean, that's uh, I'd, I'd hope to. Uh, 
to do some of that stuff in my own way. But uh, I, I hinge on uh, instruction and leadership and, and mentoring an awful lot right now. So Absolutely. Yeah. I like, too, though, that Stefan mentioned not every leader is that big, bold personality, you know, mm-hmm. taking control. There's other kinds of leadership by example, yeah. you know. So it's not always those uh, those A-type personalities, mm-hmm. you yeah. know. Anybody can lead in their own way by example. Or... Absolutely. Okay. Well, on that note, there's nothing left to say. It's time to uh, close up shop. But quick exercise. Let's go uh, with the word of the day. Sarah, what's your word of the day? Um, okay. Well, just to start, for those of you who don't know, which I think is all of us, I'm not quite sure what we mean by word of the day, but um, for all of you not in the studio right now, we do have a whiteboard that says words of the day, and there are three words written down. And I wrote one of them, and it's the word jostle, because I just used it in a sentence today, and I said, that's a nice word. What was so the I sentence? Do you remember? Uh, I, no, I don't, but I could come up with one. I was in a busy crowd yesterday, and I got jostled by all the people around me. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I've been there. Yeah. yeah. David, tell me your David. word of the day. You know, for today, I think my word has to be superfluous. Yeah, which means, you know, added on unnecessary. So, right. uh, yeah, Wonderful. My word of the day is goodbye. Goodbye. 